0: Good afternoon, it is now one o'clock. My name is Alex Ludlam, and this is a regular meeting of the Commission on Community Investment and Infrastructure for Tuesday, June 6th, 2023. I'd like to welcome everyone for joining us. Today's meeting is being held in hybrid format. Members of the public can participate and provide comments both in person at City Hall and remotely through Webex. Thank you to the staff and guests who will also be participating in today's meeting. Lastly, I'd like to welcome our newest commissioner, Commissioner Vanessa Aquino, along with her full-time job at the San Francisco Airport. She also serves on the board of the Dogpatch Neighborhood Association and is a community organizer for the neighborhood. Prior to joining us, Commissioner Aquino also served on the Human Rights Commission. Welcome, Commissioner.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Madam Secretary, please call the first item.
1: Thank you, Mr. Vice Chair. The first order of business is item one, roll call. Commission members, please respond when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Present. Commissioner Drew is absent. Commissioner Scott. Present. Vice Chair Ludlam. Present. Chair Brackett is absent. Commissioners Drew and Brackett are absent, but all other members of the commission are present. Mr. Vice Chair, we have a quorum. The next order of business is item two announcements item A: The next regular meeting is scheduled on Tuesday, June 20th, 2023 at 1pm at City Hall room 416. B announcement of prohibition of sound producing electronic devices during the meeting. Please be advised that the ringing of and use of cell phones pagers and similar sound producing electronic devices are prohibited at this time. Please be advised that the chair may order the removal from the meeting room of any persons responsible for the ringing of ringing of or use of a cell phone pager or other similar sound producing devices. C announcement of public comment procedures. Please be advised a member of the public has up to three minutes to make pertinent public comments on each agenda item unless the commission adopts a shorter period on any item. During each public comment period, members of the public attending the meeting in person will have an opportunity to provide their comments. It is strongly recommended that members of the public who wish to address the commission fill out a speaker card and submit that completed card to the commission secretary. Members of the public who are joining remotely will also be instructed to follow the the following instructions. You will need to dial 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter the access... Code which is 2591-160-8939. Press the pound sign, then the pound sign again to enter the call. When prompted, press star three to submit your request to speak. When you dial star three, you will hear the following message. You have raised your hand to ask a question, please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear your line has been unmuted, this is your opportunity to provide your public comment and you will have three minutes. Please speak clearly and slowly and you will be placed back on mute once you are done speaking. You can stay on the line and continue to listen to the meeting, but you can also choose to hang up. If you are planning to provide a public comment on any items on today's agenda, it is recommended that you call the public comment line ahead of time to allow you to listen to the meeting live and to prevent you from experiencing delays. Today's meeting materials are available on our website at sfocii.org under commission, then the public meetings tab. The next order of business is item three, report on actions taken at a previous closed session meeting if any, there are no reportable actions. The next order of business is item four, matters of unfinished business, there are no matters of unfinished business. The next order of business is item five, matters of new business consisting of consent and regular agenda. First is the consent agenda, 5A is approval of minutes. Regular meeting of May 2nd, 2023, Mr. Vice Chair.
0: Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment?
1: If there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on the minutes, please um, call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2591-1608939, followed by the pound sign, then pound sign again to enter the call. Press star, then three, to be placed in the queue. If you have joined us in person and would like to provide comments on the minutes, uh, you can come up to the podium at this time. If there are any members of the public who joined us remotely, press star three on your mobile devices. Mr. Vice Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on the minutes.
0: Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, I will close public comment. Commissioners, can I get a motion for these consent items?
2: Mr. Vice Chair, I move that the consent items be approved as given with any necessary corrections.
0: Can I get a second?
1: I second. Thank you.
0: Wonderful. Madam Secretary, please take roll.
1: Commission members, please announce your vote when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Present. Uh, Aye or yes. Um, My apologies. Aye. Commissioner Drew is absent. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Ludlam. Aye. Chair Brackett is absent. Mr. Vice Chair, the vote is three ayes two absent
0: motion carries madam secretary please call the next item
1: next is the regular agenda agenda item numbers 5b and 5c related to the mission bay open space system will be presented together but acted on separately item 5b is authorizing a memorandum of agreement with the city and county of san francisco acting through its recreation and parks department for the property management and maintenance of certain parcels within the Mission Bay open space system starting July 1st, 2023 for a maximum amount not to exceed $950,000 for a six month budget consistent with approved budget for community facilities district number five, Mission Bay North and South redevelopment project areas, discussion and action resolution number 18-2023, Item 5B is authorizing a memorandum of agreement with the city and county of San Francisco acting through the port of San Francisco for the property management and maintenance of certain parcels within the Mission Bay Open Space System starting July 1st, 2023 for a maximum amount not to exceed $510,000 for a six-month budget consistent with approved budget for community facility, facilities district number 5, Mission Bay South redevelopment project areas, discussion and action resolution number 19-2023. Director Koslowski.
3: Uh, thank you, Secretary Cruz, members of the commission, members of the public. Um, these are two items, as you had stated, um, memorandums of agreement for the port and rec park departments uh, with our commission with the OCII and this item will be presented by Mr. Mark Slutskin,
4: Project Manager for Mission Bay. Mark. Thank you. Uh, Good afternoon, Vice Chair Ludlam, Commissioners, Executive Director Kozlowski, General Counsel Morales, I'm Mark Slutskin, Project Manager for Mission Bay. The item before you today is approval of the Memorandum of Agreements for the Management of the Mission Bay Open Space with Recreation and Parks Department and the Port. This afternoon, we'll go over the background of Mission Bay open space, community facilities district number five, the dissolution and property management plan, the DOF required ground lease transfer, the memorandum of agreements, the maintenance and operation standards, community outreach, and next steps. Mission Bay is it will be 41.5 acres of open space when it's all built out, as described in the redevelopment plan, and the owner participation agreement, which expires in 2028. The operations is financed by a community community facilities district number five, which will expire in 2044. The city and the port own this land, and OCI leases it. This lease expires at the latest in 2046. So we're here today uh, to talk about taking over now, but it's always been anticipated that the city and the port would run their properties. Currently, OCI has a one-year management contract with Park Lab Open Space Management that expires at the end of this month. Here's just the map of the Mission Bay open space. In dark blue are the parks and open space that's currently open for everyone's enjoyment. In light blue is a park that's under construction. In red are future parks. The hatched areas are the parks that are owned by the port and everything else is owned by the city. CFD 5 is one of three community facilities districts in Mission Bay. We also have CFD 4, which is the infrastructure for Mission Bay North and CFD 6, which is the infrastructure for Mission Bay South. The CFD 5 ends in 2044, it can be, extended past 2024, but it would require a two-thirds vote by the property owners in Mission Bay. All CFD funds must remain within Mission Bay. The annual assessment for the CFD increases at the lesser of CPI or 5.5%, to date, The CFD assessments have been sufficient or more than sufficient to cover the operating costs of the open space. That's due to most parts is that we're not fully built out. To date we only have 24 out of the 41 and a half acres that have been built. So over these past years we've been able to establish a fund balance in anticipation of once there was full build out we would have shortfalls and need the fund balance to help cover those shortfalls. As was described when we went before you in April for the CFD budget, the shortfalls are projected for this upcoming fiscal year. That's due for additional parks that are being added. With bringing on the city, we have additional labor costs, which is union labor, which we think is a good thing, and then just general inflation. The fund balance, we believe, will cover through 2029 for all shortfalls, but then after that, it'll be on the port and rec park to find ways to fund the shortfalls. In 2012, the state mandated dissolution of the redevelopment agencies, including the necessity to transfer the ground lease back to the city and the port. In 2013, we began working on the long range property management plan, known as the PMP, which created the framework and timing to transfer the parks. We've had lots, back then, there were several public meetings to discuss this transfer. We met twice at the CAC. We came before the commission for a workshop. And then we came before the commission as an action item where the commission voted to recommend that the oversight board approve the PMP. The oversight board approved the PMP in 2013. State Department of Finance had some changes they wanted done and then the final PMP was approved again by the oversight board in 2013. For the past year and a half we've been working with the City Real Estate Division, Rec Park, the Port, and Public Works on the transfer of the parks with the goal of transferring on July 1. As we've been working with them, we've kind of realized there's a lot of layers to this onion we're trying to unpeel from documents created 25 years ago. It includes that all the parks have a public right-of-way overlay on them, so we need to uh, do street vacations to remove that. All this needs to go before the Board of Supervisors. So in order to meet our goal of transferring the management on July 1st, we are now coming before you with the two uh, agreement approach. First is the Memorandum Agreements, so Rec Park and the Port can take over management and then a later date we'll come back with a larger agreement for the full transfer. The Memorandum Agreements uh, will expire when <clears throat> we transfer the lease, but a maximum two-year agreement. Stated in the resolutions, the uh, budgets are only for six months. The budget for Rec Park is $950,000 and the budget for the port is $510,000. The reason we're doing six month is that for the board, anything higher than a million requires board of soup approvals and our goal is to only go to the board of supervisors once with a full approval. The memorandum agreement also includes the maintenance and operation standards, so they will meet or exceed what's happening out there now. And it fully describes that OCI will remain the administrator of CFD 5 throughout the entire process. The port, which currently manages 150 acres of open space along the waterfront, will be adding our parks that are along the waterfront there's a P-18, P-20, P-23, P-24, and then once P-22 is built later in this year, they will take over management of that. Rec Park, which currently manages over 4,000 acres of open space, will take over the remaining parks that are available in open currently. Each one of the memorandums of agreement spell out the maintenance and operation standards, which covers the management and general operations, the landscape maintenance, janitorial, security, special events. This will be applicable to all the current parks, B-22 when it comes online, and any future parks. In January of 22, we had our first meeting at the CAC at that meeting, some of the community members expressed a desire that we further investigate whether or not a conservancy can be created by the community members to take over and manage the parks, similar to what happened in Yerba Buena Gardens. A subcommittee was created from the CAC and they spent three different meetings and a lot of other time investigating this and it was determined that a conservancy was not viable for Mission Bay, with one of the main reasons being the funding shortfalls that we discussed earlier. in total we presented to the full cac at eight different cac meetings over the past year and a half so for next steps uh for the work plan we will continue to work with rec park the port and public works on the larger agreement that will designate all the parks to be permanently managed and the funding splits it'll again the state that see OCII is the administrator of the CFD funds, which then gives us the authority to have annual budget approval. And we will also be doing street vacations. For timing on our next steps, if approved by the commission on July 1st, Rec Park and the Port will take over management of our open space. In November, we plan to come back here for the lease transfer and larger MOU. And then in December, we'll go before the Board of Supervisors for their approval. So with me here today, from Rec Park, we have Phil Ginsburg, the GM, who I think wants to say a few words. We also have Antonio Guerra, Eric Anderson, Dana Ketchum, and Jack Avery. And from the port, we have David Papay, who prepared to answer any questions you may have.
5: Hello, commissioners. My name is Phil Ginsberg. I'm the general manager of the San Francisco Recreation and Park Department. And uh, it is absolutely a delight to be here for a lot of different reasons. This is a, a big, big deal and a big step that we're, we're all taking. And um, um, my team was already all introduced, but I wanted to bring the senior leadership team that's been involved uh, in the discussions with Director Kozlowski and his incredible team. Uh, and give you a face to the stewardship that you are uh, that you're bestowing upon us. Uh, we hope. And so uh, Dana, who runs our our uh, property management and permitting system, which is a big big part of this transfer, Eric Anderson is our our superintendent of parks and oversees our two hundred plus. Gardeners and custodians and our structural maintenance staff and is uh, actually uh, serving as our acting operations director and also oversees our, our park rangers. Uh, Antonio Guerra, who is right here, who is our director of finance and administration, so all of the back of the house stuff. Uh, belongs with uh, Antonio including HR and contracting and purchasing and, and IT and obviously budget and finance and accounting. And then uh, I, I don't want to leave out Jack over there who is on our public affairs team and works on community engagement and and uh, communication. So on, on behalf of our entire department, I, 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 it was really important for me to be here to thank you. Um, to thank you for your incredible stewardship and and and, and goodwill, uh, you know, from outsiders looking in until now, we think OCII has done an absolutely amazing job in um, uh, developing uh, not just parks, but recreation, housing services, and all, and a lot of other amenities to create really vibrant, inclusive communities. Um, and I would say I have been in this role for 14 years and uh, I've served in some other roles in city government, and I feel like uh, in my time in this job, Rec and Park has never had a closer relationship with the Office of Community Investment and Infrastructure than it has now. Uh, so, and that is in large part credit uh, to Director Kozlowski uh, and all the experience uh, that he brings to the job and the perspective. And uh, this process has actually been a joyous one. It's complicated. It's it's tricky. We do have a 25-year-old underlying document to unwind and untangle, and and you know we all have our constituencies and things like that. But it has really been um, a journey based on, on on teamwork and a shared sense of. Of doing something great uh, for our city uh, and doing something that um, you know all of you started, so we're 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 really excited about that. Um, uh, you know, we we believe we're 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 well suited uh, to manage these spaces. And when I uh, uh, told Thor, um, you know, I. I um, feel like we're adoptive parents and we are gonna love these children uh, as much as we, every bit as much as we love our own. Um, uh, Our department oversees and manages uh, now up to 225, 230 parks, 25 recreation centers, uh, nine swimming pools, over 4,000 acres of open space in the city, we have Throughout our organization, over 800 dedicated, talented staff, ranging from from our gardeners to our rec leaders, to our custodians and electricians to our park rangers, uh, all working uh, with great alignment uh, to make sure that our parks and facilities can best serve San Francisco. Uh, We're very proud of our mission and focus on ensuring equitable access to parks. Uh, It is the core value of what we do and it infuses all of what we do. Um, In 2017, as you may know, San Francisco became the first city in the United States uh, where every single resident in San Francisco lives within a 10-minute walk of a park. And that is, by the way, we sometimes get to take the credit for it, but it is in no small part due to the parks that you have created and the parks that our sister agency, uh, the port, has created, that's, that's what, we have, we have developed a really outstanding network of, of open space in the city. And while you know, uh, a lot of folks are saying negative things about what's happening in our city, and yes, we do have our challenges, uh, our equitable access to open space, our natural beauty, our natural resources, uh, 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 keep us a shining, amazing uh, city. Um, our operations division is really uh, robust and mature and is responsible for caring and maintaining our spaces. They are the heart of our department uh, and it includes gardeners uh, that go through a significant amount of workforce development programs including uh, the state of California's first and only horticultural apprenticeship program. Uh, They are well trained, our park rangers uh, are, this unit is as strong as it's ever been. You probably see them outside around Civic Center quite a bit these days. Um, but from our trades and laborers, anyway, we, we're very optimistic about our ability to fulfill our responsibility to you, uh, and most importantly to the residents in the jurisdiction that you've created uh, to, to maintain these spaces. So. It is just an absolute um, honor and privilege and, and we take it very, very seriously and we just wanted to say thank you and, and congratulations to you for, um, you know, for, for building a big part of the future of San Francisco. Thank you. Do you want me to stay at the mic? <laughs> what am I pointing at? Oh, do you, would you like, uh, are you pointing to Vince? Oh, okay. Uh, Mr. Courtney, um, uh, we have Vince Courtney here who represents uh, Labor's Local 261 and also the building trades. Uh, this is a big deal for organized labor as well because you are making uh, a bold decision to contract in. You're placing your trust and faith in the hard working men and women of of, of labor and uh, uh Since while we may not agree on 100% of the things, 100% of the time, what we do agree upon deeply uh, is workforce development and uh, career pathways and career ladders and access for all to the great jobs that exist in the city. So, Mr. Courtney. Thank
6: you. Good morning, commissioners. Good afternoon, I'm sorry. Um, I'm here to really advocate for you and the partnership that I see before you with the port. Uh, Recreation and Parks Department it's been my honor for the past two decades to represent maintenance workers at both the port and the Recreation and Parks Department and to the general manager's uh, comments you know the Office of Community Investment is not even close to off the mark when it comes to investing in the city's own workforce. In a workforce that um, General Manager Ginsburg, myself, and others have worked really, really hard to raise the bar in terms of professional standards, um, skills, commitment, oversight, management, et cetera. And what we've managed to do, that we're able to do in the private sector and unable to do in the public sector, is we've managed to create our own version of local hire. That is to bring people at a trainee level in as a pre-apprentice people will not travel from tracy or Petaluma or any that means we're going to get our own people from the city and county of san francisco from communities that are underserved and underrepresented and they will they will join the recreation to parks department or the port authority as pre-apprentices and then the people who are successful will move up into an apprenticeship program and there's still some um, opportunity to wash out but at the end of the day long story short what we've managed to do over the course and this is a partnership right a, a, a labor management partnership was, is we've managed to drastically change our workforce and have a committed, professional, skilled trained, localized workforce, so when you invest in the land, we would always ask that you continue to invest in those workers and make sure that the communities that you represent know that we're thinking about them when we're thinking about not just the jobs that are available today, but the jobs that are going to be available six months from now, six years from now, and on into the future. So thank you very much for having me.
1: I'd like to also acknowledge um, the arrival of Chair Brackett. So Chair, will you be taking over from the public comments section?
7: Thank you. I'd like to um, call for public comment and see if anyone in the public would like to make a comment either in person or virtually. At this time, if
1: there are any members of the public who wish to provide comments on items 5B and 5C, please call 415-655-0001. Enter access code 2591-160-8939, followed by the pound sign, then pound sign again to enter the call. Press star, then 3 to be placed in the queue. If you are already listening to us by phone, please press star 3 if you would like to provide a comment and would like to begin inviting anyone who would like to provide a comment here in person. Come on up, please.
8: Thank you all for um, having us today. Um, My name is Sarah Davis, and um, my family moved to Mission Bay in the 80s. Uh, We built the first park in Mission Bay. We had a delivery dump truck of compost and built the community garden, which is now the Mission Creek Harbor Community Garden. Um, Over the years, living on the houseboats when there was no residence, we were the residents that participated in the building of Mission Bay, and now what you see is is um, a series of our history. You know, we were building history when there was no one here to, to write the history. And now we have this thriving community of people that have come in that are new, um, and people and people like us on the Housebook community that have been there for 40 plus years. Um, I'm also here speaking as the chair of the Citizen Advisory Committee and I wanted to give our support. We voted unanimously to support this process. Um, I think a lot of the residents have a lot of questions that are all the questions we all have when change comes. Change of security, change of maintenance. Um, But I can only speak to my own personal experience in the rec and park system. My daughter went to the programs, the summer camps, Um, We've played in all those parks. I think we're all really excited about becoming part of the city park system. Um, We've also had a very long tradition with the Port of San Francisco, and I'm really excited about watching the port build on um, Crane Cove and um, expanding how they deal with um, accessible water and public open space. Um, The next couple of months are gonna be really interesting and we're gonna learn a lot, Um, but we're gonna do it together. Both agencies have made a commitment to participate through the Mission Bay Citizens Advisory Committee. We've met some of the staff. I think they bring a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of willingness to participate. So thank you for your time and we're looking forward to more conversations. Mr. James.
9: Good afternoon, Commissioners Oscar James, Native resident of Baby Hunters Point and of the city and county of San Francisco. Uh, This project, I support 100%, but one of my uh, things that I really cherish is the opportunity to have a training program to bring people into the uh, local 261, which I used to be a member of 261 prior to coming to the redevelopment agency. I had the opportunity to go to Santa Rosa when they had a training program up there for uh, both operating engineer and for the laborers. And I graduated out of both of them. But having it here, where the young peoples can have the opportunity to leave their homes and go for a training and learn a skill and be able to participate in creating something in the community where they, 50 years from now, they can go back and tell their kids or grandkids where they started from and show them the opportunity that they may have. Uh, And one of the other things that, we're talking about Mission Bay. Mission Bay was a Model Cities project when I was a Model Cities commissioner. Uh, Since recent years, they have taken it, since it became prosperous, uh, because when it was Model Cities, it was train spurs and what have you, and our parents, back in the 50s, had to stay in those train cars down there in the 50s because they weren't allowed to live with their families but I support this project. I just want people to know some of the history of Mission Bay and how they took it from our community, but that's still part of BV Hunter's point and our community. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, and I just wanted to double check. Mr. Courtney, did you still want to provide a public comment, or was that it? Okay, thank you. Um, Madam Chair, we do not, oh, actually, I'm sorry. I'd like to open up the uh, public comment for the members of the public who are joining us by phone or online. If you would like to provide public comment, please uh, press star three on your mobile devices now. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment any further.
7: At this moment, we are gonna close public comment and I'm going to refer over to my fellow commissioners. Dr. Scott, would you like to provide comment?
2: I would only say thank you for the presentation as well as the information given. I am so pleased to hear about the workforce development as well and um, possibility of skills, training, uh, the commitment that's coming out of that and wanna know, What do you do to advertise the opportunity to come in and uh, receive skill training? How does that information get out to the community?
5: Um, Commissioner, thank you for the question. For uh, almost 13 years now, um, uh, we have been administering uh, our apprenticeship program Uh, And we use a variety of, of outreach channels uh, in the community. We, we partner with several different organizations. Um, We're, we're working on um, parks and open spaces, uh, very adjacent to some of the spaces that you are building and stewarding uh, in the shipyard. You may have may be familiar with our India Basin efforts out at India Basin that um, actually Oscar is very much involved in. Uh, We partner with the nonprofit community. We use A. Philip Randolph Institute to help us uh, with community engagement and community outreach. Uh, We have over 80,000 people who uh, read our uh, e-news every single week. Uh, in which we publicize um, hiring opportunities. We work with the Human Rights Commission. We work with the Human Services Agency. We work with our Department of Human Resources. And what I would propose here, let us work with you um, also to get the word out because every commissioner here has their own uh, you know, deep uh, community ties and uh, OCII has become and earned a role as a very trusted partner in certain communities, and so what I would propose, in addition to what I mentioned, is that we work with Director Kozlowski to advertise both our pre-apprenticeship and our apprenticeship um, hiring opportunities to make sure that those opportunities are, are, uh, that that people in the community have enough knowledge about them uh, to pursue them. Um, In India Basin, uh, we actually on, just a week ago, uh, we celebrated the gr- uh, graduation of 16 Bayview residents uh, from our job readiness program that um, are going to be placed on our construction work out at India Basin with Swinerton. Uh, and so we are, um, you know, we can always do better and always use help in making sure that we're getting the word out. But um, our our reach in this community, um, has gotten deeper over the years, and um, so so you know we're 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 hopeful about our ability to to spread the word. And and I know that uh, this is a a, a labor management uh, workforce program, and the union itself, which has deep deep ties in this community as well, uh, does a lot to to make sure that people are aware of these opportunities.
2: Thank you for saying that. I do. Um... <clears throat> Know that APRI is very well, and I was at the uh, India Basin and met you there. So that's right. Yes, Thank you, yes, Commissioner. Yes.
5: We're and, very excited um, about that opportunity. The
2: other thing, uh, Sarah, who just spoke, said something that triggered uh, a thought in my mind. I came up for years, native of San Francisco, 40s, 50s, 60s, park and rec always had activities and there was always an opportunity for camps. Is that still a part of the uh, puzzle or the picture?
5: Today is Tuesday. It is the second day of our summer season uh, where we have right now over 80 summer camps happening in every corner of the city, including a really exciting nature exploration uh, camp out at Herons Head in the Eco Center. Uh, we have a neighborhood camp uh, at uh, MLK Pool. Uh, we have k- camps at Bayview Playground. Um, so, yes, uh, we, I think we have over 8,000 children signed up this summer in our summer camps. And we have a very, getting back to our commitment and focus on equity, um, we have two strategies in that regard. So, first of all, um, all children in Uh, public housing have uh, 100% free access to our summer camps, and we offer families an opportunity to pre-register. And we have another program that we uh, are very proud about on the recreation side called Requity, which is specifically designed to bring recreation uh, uh, programs to our communities rather than being in our facilities and, and waiting for our communities to come to us. So it is basically, a, if, if this is a fair way to describe it, almost a mobile uh, recreation program. We actually do work in a variety of public housing communities. We run a program uh, just on uh, last Friday, I was at Potrero Rec Center, where we um, uh, celebrated the uh, high school and uh, graduates and other kids who are promoting from one level of school to another that are involved in our Peace Parks program which is uh, evening and weekend programs to give kids something to do in the evenings. It runs Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evenings. Um, so you know we're not perfect in like any city agency. We have resource constraints and challenges, um, but I'm very proud of our, our, um, our commitment to equity and, and access. And again, building on the partnership that I think has, is, is establishing and rooting itself between our organizations, Uh, we look forward to additional ways to leverage your community relationships and your network uh, to make sure that we are serving everyone that wants to be served by us.
2: Mm. And one last question. I really like what you just said, instead of waiting for the community to come to you. Uh, And as you were saying that before you said that statement, my thought was, I wonder if he'd be willing to come into the community and speak with some of the young uh, youth, young boys, young girls, and talk about the job opportunities and what it would take and maybe have someone to even uh, model what that looks like, cleaning, and you know the types of opportunities that would be. I know from um, our executive director's staff, our Josh um, would, he has come into the community and COVID broke out and it kind of stopped everything, but it was amazing how many of the young people in tears said, I want to learn. Yeah. I'd like to do it.
5: Uh, The answer is an unequivocal enthusiastic. Yes. I do do a lot of, this work already, but I would never say no uh, to an opportunity to, to, to speak to our kids uh, and to bring my staff or speak to uh, parents or families or community leaders to um, deepen uh, uh, all communities' awareness of what we have to offer.
2: Thank you so much. I wouldn't want to reinvent a wheel because we do have APRI, but we can certainly partner, join them in 100%. so many of our youth uh, that are really hungry for work.
0: 100%. Thank you. You're very welcome. Mm-hmm.
7: Commissioner Ludlam.
0: Uh, yes, I have a question for Mr. Ginsburg, but first a question for Secretary Cruz. Uh, is it an option for this commission to continue the item?
1: Uh, that's more a question for uh, general counsel. If could confirm that.
4: <clears throat> Excuse me. Commissioner, certainly the commission
0: has a prerogative to continue a matter by a majority vote. Um, however, I would point out that uh, the Mission Bay contract for the current maintenance expires at the end of this month, so there is some urgency Uh, for action on this item before you. Understood. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Ginsburg, uh, I attended several of these CAC meetings, uh, and I believe I'm quoting Sarah Davis, who appeared today from the March meeting, who said, uh, we've identified the third rail of Mission Bay politics, and it is dog poop bags. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure if you were at these meetings, Several of them devolved into very vindictive shouting matches. Uh, It has always been a priority of OCII that the level of service would not diminish when we transferred operations to Reckon Park. Uh, You are aware of this issue, uh, so I'd like to hear your thoughts on whether or not dog runs can continue to stock dog poop bags especially in light of the fact that, according to the Chronicle, 50% of commercial areas have feces on the sidewalk. Well, Commissioner,
5: I thought you were gonna let sleeping dogs lie. It's a joke, (laughs) yeah. Um, So let me share with you um, uh, uh, what our policy is, and then I will answer your question. Our policy is actually not to stock Uh, uh, dog bags in all of our, I think we have 27 off-leash, more than that, somewhere around 30 off-leash dog parks citywide. And the reasons that we don't do it are twofold. One, reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, I'm a dog owner. I visit our off-leash dog parks all the time. And uh, we encourage our uh, community of dog guardians, uh, to bring your own dog, uh, your own bags, and if you forget one, like I have on many occasions at Pine Lake Park, I ask a neighbor for one, or the community of dog owners often uh, places recycled bags into the, the dog bag station. An equally important reason why we don't do it is because we take our um, uh, horticultural resources uh s- so seriously, it is actually something that is that is time-consuming and resource-intensive to do it at scale, citywide, and we would much rather have our trained professional horticultural experts tending to horticulture uh, than stocking dog bags. With that said, as Sarah uh, so eloquently put, this is about change, and we want to honor and respect. Uh, the practices of OCII in their stewardship. So for the near term, so that we can sort of get off on the right foot and people don't have to feel like there is a diminution of service, uh, we will do this in OCII spaces. Wonderful,
0: thank you. Uh, No further questions.
7: Commissioner
10: Kina. Yes, thank you. Uh, Good afternoon, Phil. Glad to see you here, it's a pleasure to meet you. Congratulations on your first meeting. Thank you very much. Uh, just to add on to what Commissioner uh, Dr. Scott mentioned, um, in regards to um, putting yourself out there to promote work in the community, are you attending neighborhood associations uh, such as the Petrol Hill, the Bayview, there's many other organizations um, you're going to them so are you doing that and or will you be doing that to help address the um, you know amazing opportunities uh, for the community members in this area or in that area um, also just want to add having events to promote these uh, like workshops or huge events in those areas?
4: Yeah,
5: so while these spaces will be new to our stewardship, the neighborhoods in which they serve are not. And so we actually, um, a big part of our work is community outreach and engagement. And, and uh, Jack is one person of a very large team that does this work. Uh, Our entire recreation staff does this work. We have a human resources staff that joins and actually hosts um, citywide job fairs all over our city in every neighborhood. Um, Our India Basin program is built on a model of uh, an emerging best practice called equitable development planning, which again, uh, one of your, uh, uh, Oscar James, who I know quite well is very involved in our India Basin work, and uh, Chair Brackett, I think you're familiar with it, you and I have had a couple of good discussions about it over the years, in which we are only continuing to deepen uh, our outreach and engagement, uh, particularly in the Bayview around the India Basin area, but. Um, you know, Mission Bay, uh, as, as Oscar noted, um, you know, the Bayview considers Mission Bay part of its community too. And the answer to all of those things is yes. I don't know off the top of my head, but if I had to guess, we participate in literally hundreds of community meetings a year.
10: And just thank you for that. And just to add, um, will you have it also in different languages for others? Yes,
5: we, we do all of our- Uh Uh, I mean, part of that is actually, um, it's not just the right thing to do, it's actually required. Mm -hmm. So uh, we do provide our materials in multiple languages. We use for our recreation registration and programming. We use LanguageLine uh, and some other technologies now um, for people in need of translation services. Again, I don't wanna suggest that we're perfect. We're not. Uh, I don't wanna suggest that we've got everything figured out. Mm -hmm. We don't. Uh, but we are deeply committed to making sure that all San Franciscans, regardless of what neighborhood you, you're from, mm-hmm. uh, the color of your skin, the language that you speak, your age, have equitable access to our programs and services.
10: Okay, thank you so much. That was it, but Pleasure. great presentation. Thank you.
7: Thank you. Um, i just like to state that I grew up as a park and rec kid. I spent most of my summers at Hamilton Recreation Center And really appreciate the work that's been done over the years um, with Park and Rec to engage um, the community, Um, especially during COVID, as you guys know, and everyone knows, there's a huge digital divide and lack of access to um, actually um, functioning parks was a big issue. And
5: school. Yeah. (laughs) The parks were open. School was not.
7: Yes. (laughs) Um, But some of the parks were in disrepair in certain neighborhoods and a lot of people didn't have access. So I do appreciate what Park and Rec did to provide that access, to um, clean up the parks on a regular basis, to make them sustainable and to work with community to have events there and to um, renovate parks and spaces and um, launch and um, make parks more available. I did have a couple questions, um, being that we've recognized um, how much the digital divide impacted. Um, there still is an impact in terms of access to service and equity. Um, And although I read the newsletter every week because I have really good access, I know there's a lot of communities and low-income people, especially in the Bayview where Wi-Fi isn't as great, who don't necessarily have access to being able to register for these programs. And I know that just citywide there's been some challenges um, with families registering for summer program and not being able to um, get in. So just would like to hear your take on that, um, especially since – these parks are going to be transferred over and there are going to be additional amenities and services available, including access to water um, and water parks and the piers, which is something that predominantly a lot of families in the Bayview, Ingleside and Fillmore do not have access to.
5: Sure. Um, well, waterfront access and waterfront recreation is is at the heart of our India Basin project, which is uh one of the city's most significant park investments ever along 1.7 miles of continuous waterfront open space that has all been but shut off uh, from the Bayview. And as we talk about when we talk about in, you know India Basin, uh, this is a, a deeply important project for a community that has been forced to shoulder all of the things Uh, other San Franciscans didn't want in their neighborhood, including uh, a sewer treatment plant, a power plant. This neighborhood was cut off by not one, but two freeways, Uh, and uh, even though uh, this neighborhood enjoys, the Bayview enjoys incredible waterfront along our southern waterfront. Uh, most of that waterfront was either industrial in nature or cut off with barbed wire and all kinds of stuff. So our, you know, <laughs> India Basin Initiative is is most fundamentally designed to help connect the Bayview to water. And But that doesn't just happen by renovating a park. Part of our equitable development planning in that regard uh, includes private money raised to make sure that um, every Bayview youth and family Member that wants access to learning how to swim or water safety classes have it. We're currently in our second. This actually, we're coming up on our third cohort of of kids that are participating in our Swim and Splash program. A great partnership with the Bayview YMCA at MLK Pool to make sure that our families have comfortable access to to water. Um, uh, not everybody gets into the exact camp that they want on the exact week that they want it, that is that's, uh, that is somewhat true, but what we have done from uh, to ensure equity in registration and to try to tackle some of the di- di- digital divide issues that you referenced, Chair Brackett, is two things. In addition to the online registration, we actually, so first of all, all of our camps, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we offer uh, our, um, uh, public housing and scholarship residents uh, and families early registration access before the rest of the city gets it. So that's thing number one and that is a big deal and it's a big change for us. Uh, two, uh, through our Requity program and some of our other recreation uh, outreach leaders, in addition to online registration, we register kids and families for our camps on site at a lot of our facilities as well. So that is another strategy. Now, with that said, as I mentioned, we uh, st- we are still bouncing back from the pandemic, and I think there's a difference between number of program slots we have, which is about 15,000, and the number of kids we serve, because some kids sign up for more than one week of camp, right, um, but we I think we are serving, uh, if I remember the data correctly, set, uh, Close to seven, seven or eight thousand individual children in our city, uh, and our our scholarship recipients are somewhere between. If I have this right, around forty percent of our registrants, which is pretty good. Um, so we, you know, we are doing the best that we that we can with you know the the resources. But this is why this is should be a partnership, right? If there are places and spaces in OCII's jurisdiction that we can serve better. We we wanna know that, and we will.
7: Thank you. Um, I also had another additional question as well um, in terms of um, I know um, there's been um, opportunities for vending and small businesses in some of the parks. That's also kind of new over COVID. Um, how will you guys be managing that with this new mission base space? Will there be opportunities for that as well? Um, it wasn't any information in the proposal alluding to that or what would happen?
5: Well, we are gonna start with absorbing your current uh, concessionaires and tenants in the spaces that have them, in the spaces that you've managed. So again, our goal here is to, you know, come in as as good stewards to build trust with the community, and that includes the small businesses that operate in our parks. And we're not going to come in and make any big grand change, which is the reason that even though it is not our public policy and. We think it is our 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 policy with respect to dog bags. We believe is the right policy. We also understand that um, uh, we are coming in to, to build trust and and you know to steward spaces that you've created, and we want to honor that. So we are not going to come in, you know. Well, this is the Reckon Parkway. You know, we're going to try to sort of serve the community and meet the community where they're at. Um, how we manage our concessions and amenities generally citywide is through a very transparent RFP process that require, that involves community outreach and involves our own commission uh, you know in a public setting making decisions about the types of amenities that we want to offer in our parks. With respect, we do have some exceptions to that, and one of those which you and I have have discussed is at India Basin where we are doing things a little differently under the guise of our equitable development plan where all of the concessions and amenities that in those spaces uh, are, are going to be uh, by and for and employ Bayview residents. The whole mission of our project is to leverage every dollar of park investment and try to return some benefit to the community we want uh, to uh, increase uh, stability resiliency and economic opportunity uh, in uh, our equitable development work and so that is a a true focus of ours
7: thank you um and i guess my last question or it's more of a commentary is around the doggy bags so I appreciate the proposal to um, do something new I just like to caution as well I'm just seeing that our city we talk about change Um, one of the biggest changes that happened to our city in 2019 is we became the top city for dogs and pets (laughs) and with that as Commissioner Ludlam said um, came an increase of poop around the city and especially in some of our developments and newer developments so um, just wanted to highlight that as well and see if there's also any way that um, you guys may be able to increase signage in those parks to remind people to pick up, or if there's other kind of fun community engagement activities that can be done with the um, CAC and other neighborhood groups to encourage people to pick up after themselves because... Unfortunately, one of the benefits of having a lot of amenities in the city is also an air of entitlement that some people think there's people who will pick up after them, so. Mm -hmm.
5: Again, this all speaks to the citywide philosophy about the dog bag. so that's a a, a point well taken. I do think you are spot on, and one of the reasons that we are gonna continue the practice uh, in the near term uh, and monitor it is to try to work on some community engagement and education strategies about responsible dog ownership. And and we also know that there's a lot of commercial activity um, happening with dog walking. And look, those are necessary for working families. I use a dog walker. So, you know, um, uh, you know dogs are wonderful. Um, um, I, I own one, uh, uh, own one. I, I parent one is what I should probably say because that's more what it feels like. Um, and it's more what it costs, like, um, uh, you know. But we we do need to encourage, in many aspects, not just this, responsible park stewardship. San Francisco is blessed with one of the best park systems in America, and that requires all of us. That requires stewardship and some self responsibility and some <laughs> some some pride. Um, but I think. Uh, That is best done through engagement and signage and creative communication tools Uh, more than it is just you know pointing a finger or laying down the law and that has always been our our philosophy um I'll share with you an example in a different context in the non-dog context because littering is also uh, a big deal and uh, for those of you who've been around a while uh, you've watched the drama around Dolores Park where people would come to a very very popular intense park and people would come and just leave their own trash uh, a few years ago, pre-pandemic, we made a very bold decision not to pick it up one day, just to leave the trash there after a big weekend. And this was planned and, and thought through, and we discussed with you know, the mayor and our commission that we were going to do this to make a point. Uh, and then we launched a, a program called Love Dolores, which rather than uh, uh, being government saying, you know, don't let her pick up, uh, involved. The community and creativity, and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and local businesses participating in in uh, in more of a creative effort to inspire change, and that is generally our approach. Now, when we have to enforce the park code, we will, because public spaces are sacred, and you know, um, someone's entitlement and someone's you know candidly selfishness. Uh, Harms and injures the experience of someone else, and our our parks, as we particular, as everybody became well aware during the pandemic, our parks are too important. Um, So we use a variety of of strategies, but you know we start with trying to inspire. uh, You know we try to do it the lasso way. We try to inspire good park behavior uh, rather than just you know sort of you know point fingers and issue citations and things like that.
7: Thank you. The last comment I'll just have to make um, is in the proposal, it specifically lists um, partnerships with the Mission Bay CAC and other organizations. I would just like to see if there's a possibility Director Ginsburg to also add in the Bayview CAC to some of that just in terms of trying to be able to share space share information and Making sure people are aware of the new programs and opportunities that are going to be available in this space Because it's going to be awesome and all of the stuff that's coming down with the port in these spaces is just a beautiful thing that I've seen um, Occurring and moving forward
5: Uh, We would we would be pleased to continue to engage with the Bayview CAC, and uh, you know, uh, under you know, guidance from many of you, or for from Director Kozlowski, plug in at particular you know points with the Bayview CAC. We also participate in the uh, uh, you know in the Bayview Alliance. Um, you know, we are. I'm very proud of our work in the Bayview specifically. We've we've made a lot of investment and built a lot of relationships, and are working hard to be, you know, um, you know. some of the challenges in the Bayview are about trust. There's been many, 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 many broken promises by government over generations. And um, our pledge is not to do that. We want to keep our promises.
7: Yes, my comment was not more for India Basin, but more for Mission Bay, just so that everyone feels in. No, no, in I, I understood
5: space. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will make sure that, uh, because as, as Oscar has reminded us, that there is a deep connection between Mission Bay and the Bayview, and, and we would like to maintain that and make sure that, that the Bayview is aware of what's happening in Mission Bay as well.
7: Thank you. My pleasure. Um, do any of my com- fellow commissioners have any other and um, comments? And does anyone have a motion?
2: I just want to thank you for your feedback and the information given.
5: Thank you. Mm
0: -hmm. Chair Brackett, I would move to approve item 5B.
7: Do we have a second?
2: I second that.
1: And Chair Brackett, just so we're clear, we're taking two separate actions for these two items. So this is the first motion for 5B. Okay. Thank you. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5B when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Commissioner Scott. Yes. Vice Chair Ludlam. Yes. And Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is four ayes, one absent.
7: Can you call the vote for the next item? Or do we have a motion for the next item?
0: Uh, Chair Brackett, I would move to approve item 5C. Commissioners,
7: do we have a second?
0: I second
2: that move.
1: Commissioners, commission members, please announce your vote for item 5C when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Commissioner Scott. Yes. Vice Chair Ludlum. Yes. And Chair Brackett? Aye. The motion passes. Um, Madam Adams Chair? Yes, sorry.
7: All the next item.
1: Thank you. Next is agenda item number 5D conditionally approving the schematic design for Under Ramp Park, adopting environmental findings pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act, and providing notice. THAT THIS ACTION IS WITHIN THE SCOPE OF THE TRANS BAY TERMINAL, Caltrain DOWNTOWN EXTENSION, REDEVELOPMENT PROJECT FINAL ENVIRONMENTAL IMPACT STATEMENT, ENVIRONMENTAL IMPACT REPORT, FEIS EIR, A PROGRAM EIR, AND IS ADEQUATELY DESCRIBED IN THE FEIS EIR FOR PURPOSES OF THE CALIFORNIA ENVIRONMENTAL QUALITY ACT, TRANS BAY REDEVELOPMENT PROJECT AREA, Discussion and action resolution number 20 2023. Director Koslowski.
3: Thank you, Secretary Cruz. Uh, members of the Commission, members of the public, um, as Secretary Cruz stated, this is a schematic design approval for a park in Mission Bay, uh, affectionately referred to as Under Ramp Park. We know it'll have a different name in the future. Um, and it is a park that has long been planned as part of the Trans Bay planning documents and will be presented by Alok Vyas, who is an Associate Planner and Urban Designer with the agency. Alok.
11: Thank you, Director. <coughs> Thank you, Director Koslowski and good afternoon, Commissioners. Uh, again, my name is Alok Vyas and I'm an Associate Planner at OCII. Uh, we're excited to be here today to present this item. Today, we are seeking the Commission's condition approval of the schematic design for the Transbay Under Am Park and the Transbay Redevelopment Project area.
2: Excuse me, may I ask that you pull the mic a little closer?
9: Of course. To you? Sorry about that.
2: Yeah, and yeah, speak into it. Your voice is light.
11: Thank you. Better. The TransPay Redevelopment Plan was adopted in 2005 and expires in 2035. The TransPay Implementation Agreement between the former agency and the TJPA is an enforceable obligation that requires OCI to implement the plan, including activities related to major infrastructure improvements. The TransPay project area is divided into two zones Zone one, under OCI Land Use Authority, and two, under the Planning, develop, uh, planning Department oversight. This approximately 2.5-acre park, highlighted in yellow oval, straddles both zones. In conversations between OCI and the planning department, the planning department has decided to cede its oversight authority to OCI for the park because OCI is funding its design and construction. The park is a collaborative effort between multiple agencies the Trans Bay Joint Powers Authority, California Department of Transportation, OCII, Eastcutt Community Benefit District, and potentially the city. TJPA is a co-owner and will own the future park improvements and is a lessee for the other portion of the land under Caltrans. OCI will be funding the design and construction of the park. The Eastcut CBD is selected as a property manager by the TJPA and will be responsible for fundraising operations and maintenance. The San Francisco public parks may potentially be selected as the construction manager during the construction of the park. The schematic design before you today has had an extended timeline of design work. In July of 2011, the former agency selected CMG Landscape Architecture to lead a design team to prepare the concept designs for the park. In June of 2013, the former agency commission approved the concept design. Between 2013 and 2021, the design work has progressed in ebbs and flows due to a variety of jurisdictional and logistical issues. In September of 2021, the final scope of schematic design work was resolved with the incorporation of a historically relevant zigzag modern structure from the Transbay Block 5 site. The design team is present today with Chris Giard from CMG Landscape Architecture and Yakov Askew from VA Studios. We also have Ari Walsh, Facility Director at the TJPA, and Andrew Robinson, Executive Director of the EastCut CBD present. I will now call on Chris to present the Schematic Design Concepts. At the end of this, their presentation, I'll briefly go through the current development schedule of the park, the conditions of approval, and the next approvals and steps.
12: Good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, Chris Giard with CMG Landscape Architecture, and I am delighted to be here this afternoon to share with you the fifth and we hope final version of the schematic design for Under Ramp Park. And um, I'll, I'll just note for me personally, this is an exciting day, uh, and I wanna just acknowledge the entire team that's been working on this project over the past decade. Um, but, you know, the design team, the, the team from OCII, um, the East Cut CBD, it's really come together and at each step of the process, it's gotten better and better. And we've most recently had the opportunity to work with the East Cut CBD to really begin to understand and address some of the, the maintenance considerations and operational issues with an eye toward the future success of a park that we think is just gonna be such a contributor to the Trans District um, in terms of bringing community together. So um, hopefully you're all familiar with the location. It's you know sandwiched between Folsom and Howard Street and Clementina. It makes a connection down to the Transbay Terminal. And from the very beginning, um, the team has brought forward these three guiding principles. First, to improve connectivity. Second, to foster community. And third, to create a destination. And so that, that has been a through line for the project. And I think that we've really brought those all to the fore in the final um, schematic design that we're sharing here today. So in terms of really creating that connected environment, um, creating multiple pathways for pedestrians and bicyclists linking from Folsom Street down to Howard and across to the Transbay Terminal. Um, One thing I'll note here too that's an important consideration is that there is about 20 feet of elevation change between Folsom and Howard Street. And so we've, I think, very successfully integrated uh, accessible routes between uh, Folsom and Howard so that that connection can be made by both pedestrians and bicyclists. And then, of course, um, being able to connect along Clementina um, to other important connections throughout the Trans Bay District. Um, We focused throughout on this idea of fostering community, which for us was really about activating and programming the park, um, looking at ways to provide programs that are not currently available within the district and that will serve the community. And I'll go through each of those as we walk through the the overall design. Um, And that's all come together in in a plan that has been so well vetted and is ready to go to the next uh, step of design and construction. Um, So I'm gonna give you a little tour of, of the park, starting at the sports court up at Folsom Street. Um, underneath of the Caltrans and TJPA uh, overpasses. And so this is a a, a modest-sized sports facility that is designed to include uh, basketball, uh, incorporate a a pickleball court, and uh, provide a a half-court tennis wall um, as well. So it's bringing uh, some much-needed recreational space to the neighborhood. This is a view of, of that space. And again, these are conceptual, but the idea is to brighten it up and bring some color and life to it in a graphic and artful way. Um, And in some of our conversations with uh, the CAC, um, several uh, community members requested that we look at the pickleball option, which wasn't previously included. And that we'll also look at uh, the different treatments for the the development of the the court color design and fencing colors. So those will will be further refined and developed as we go forward. Um, Moving down to the uh, Clementina. uh, space and the Folsom Plaza. This is really the central heart of Under Ramp Park and um, basically it's it's set under the underpass. It has a, an informal amphitheater, um, the pavilion structure itself, which Yaku Eskew from Y Studios will, will speak to here in a few minutes, um, an informal synthetic turf lawn f- for events and gatherings, and then a very playful small slide that allows uh, you know an element of, of play to uh, bridge the, the elevation change there. One thing I'll note here is that the East Cut CBD's uh, offices are planned to go into the pavilion. So that is is a key element of having the operator, manager, activator right at the center of the park. This is a, a look at the pavilion and the adjacent plaza space, which allows for a lot of opportunities for indoor-outdoor activity and hopefully some vendors on that uh, first level. And then jumping down to the the concession garden space. Um, There's a concession uh, facility planned uh, for a potential vendor to come in and provide food and beverage in that location. And so we've developed this garden-like seating environment um, that will accommodate uh, visitors and and be able to create a gathering space for community events as well. This is a a look at that that gathering space. Um, It's situated uniquely underneath of the, the kind of round oculus of the the overpass above, and lets light in, um, surrounded by plant material. And then moving along to um, the dog park, which we know will be one of the most popular uh, parts of the space. Um, This is a very generous dog park that runs the length of Clementina. It's broken into a couple of different uh, smaller spaces for small dogs, and then um, a larger run um, that's probably several hundred feet long for for, uh, other dogs. And it has a series of unique elements that are designed to be playful for the dogs, uh, along with seating areas for um, dog owners. Um, The surfacing materials have been designed based on best practices for dog parks and cleaning. And so that's synthetic turf and an asphalt uh, coated with a a surface um, treatment. Moving along to the fitness area, there's a a small fitness um, zone that will include uh, fitness equipment, um, kind of an outdoor gym, which we think will be very successful. Um, And then lastly, uh, taking a look at a a space that's closer to Howard Street, which is more of a garden environment and has this small sculptural seating area. I want to touch on lighting uh, very quickly. This will be a critical part of the success of the park in terms of both safety, but also the the aesthetic uh, experience and security. And so the the strategy for lighting is is multi-tiered. It's first and foremost, there are pole lights that will be located throughout the park that will provide general illumination of the pathways. And then the idea is to mount lights that will uplight the bottom of the overpass surface, and the idea is that that lighting may have a, a kind of projection pattern that could change periodically. Uh, the light will be on during the day to create a kind of ambience in the space, even, even during the, the daytime. And then both of those lighting functions will be supported by accent lighting at the buildings and other locations uh, to bring attention to those special elements. Just, just a few examples of, of those different lighting treatments, and these will all be developed more as we move through the design. And then uh, lastly, in terms of a key design element, is planting. And our approach is to really create a very diverse, seasonal, and rich planting palette, but one that is uniquely suited to this particular microclimate and the fact that we're going to have a fair amount of shade from the structures above and the adjacent buildings. And so uh, we will have a mixture of broadly native species, but also some Mediterranean and, and adapted species um, that are well-suited to this environment, and we'll be developing that palette further, um, really you know, in, in line with the intent of the biodiversity policies that the city is currently developing for these types of spaces. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Yaku Escu, who's going to walk through the, the two building structures. Great, thank you. Good afternoon,
13: commissioners. Yaku Askew, principal with YA Studio. And so we were uh, tasked with working on the architecture for helping to program the park and provide some of the services within the park. So I'm gonna walk you through first the design for the pavilion, which is up on Folsom Street. And this structure was really intended to be sort of a welcoming space uh, to bring you into the park, to welcome you uh, down through the space. And so it sort of reaches out uh, towards Folsom Street. It's designed to host one to three uh, small retailers to provide food service uh, for the park. And this building is also straddling that gray difference that Chris had mentioned. We are uh, crossing between 12 feet or so between Folsom and Clementina. So it's a one-story structure up on Folsom and translates down into a two-story structure below. So here's a view a little further down the hill. Um, At the Clementina level, you can start to see some of the two-story structure uh, express itself. At the lower level, we have the CBD offices uh, located to the right, and then uh, to the left, we have a large community space, uh, which can be used for birthday parties, rentals, has a great indoor, outdoor opportunity to spill in and out, uh, host community events, and really help activate the park down there. And then on the far left, you start to see some of the bathroom spaces. Um, so we've uh, worked with some of the city staff to review some of the most successful um, public parks within uh, public restrooms within some of the parks in the city. And we've taken a lot of cues in, from those in designing uh, these restroom facilities. And then you see the uh, retail pavilion uh, retail spaces up at the upper floor. Uh, so here's a view actually from uh, the bottom side on Clementina. Uh, Looking back at the pavilion, uh, where we have the restroom sort of middle of the shot, the retail up above, and the uh, open doors to the community event space uh, in the middle. Uh, we also brought a material board here uh, to give you an example of some of the materials we're uh, proposing. We are hoping to keep this building you know, very efficient and economical in terms of its uh, maintenance. And so the design is really intended to provide durability, um, but also provide warmth with some of the material choices uh, and be really welcoming and accent to the park. Um, so uh, there is a lot of glass, there's a lot of um, sort of wood textures, um, and there are some uh, more transparent, like guardrails, to help provide views throughout the park. One of the nice things about up at this Folsom Street Pavilion is you really get a view uh, all the way through the, the length of the park uh, down through Clementino. Uh, this is a plan view of the first floor. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I can ask questions or respond to questions about this. Bottom of the page, we have the CBD offices and a lot of support spaces to the right. Um, In the middle of the page, we see the large community room, which again, can host uh, different sizes gatherings. And then at the top of the page, we have the public restrooms, which are all designed for universal accessibility um, and intended to be sort of open and safe while providing privacy. This is the uh, upper floor at Folsom Street, again designed uh, to host one to three food vendors or uh, smaller retail uh, spaces, um, indoor-outdoor space, the idea people can come in on a colder day, uh, people can spill in and outside on a warmer day. And again, we have these great views throughout the park um, and sort of opening out the Folsom Street. Next building is uh, the concession building, which is across Clementina um, and just next to the uh, dog park. And in this design, we wanted to incorporate the uh, previous hot dog stand, the zigzag modern structure, uh, which has been repurposed uh, to provide a retail opportunity down here. Uh, this is really intended to be a concession stand, um, a sort of large concession stand, permanent structure. Uh, we designed it in a way that you can interact and operate. Uh, wander in and under uh, the zigzag modern structure, which is a historic, uh, not a historic, but a, an older um, repurposed structure. Um, so we wanted to make sure that that was something that you can engage with. And then behind it, we sort of have the served um, element of the building, which hosts the kitchen, the dishwash and storage uh, for the restaurant and food facilities uh, in sort of a glassy and glowing box. And so the idea is really to sort of give emphasis to the, um, The zigzag uh, structure allowed this building to be a little quieter and let the park sing uh, in the environment. Uh, So here's some other views of it. So from the back, again, allowing the landscape to sort of wrap around the building. This is sort of a ephemeral glowing um, object within the park, not drawing too much attention. It's a little quieter structure than the upper structure uh, because it is within the the overall park. Some of the elevations um, of the building, again, sort of translating across the site, we have some grade changes to deal with, so we are straggling about a five or six foot grade difference. Uh, you can see some of the imagery at the bottom there of this sort of glowing structure um, as well as uh, some of the other materials uh, envisioned for the building. Again, looking at durability, low maintenance uh, for the long-term health and success of the project. Uh, quick plan view, um, again, this is sort of schematic. We don't have a tenant lined up yet, but looking at you know how a, a small vendor uh, could successfully operate out of this space. And I will pass it.
11: I state this is the video fly-through of the project. Thank you, Yakum. We will aim to complete design and construction documents by winter of 2024. OCI intends to issue bonds in late 2024, early 2025 to fund the parks construction. By spring of 2025, we aim to complete advertisement and bids for construction and finalize the construction award. The parks parks construction is anticipated to complete in two years and and will be open to the public in summer of 2027. Here are some highlights from the schematic design conditions of approval. In the design development and construction documents phases, the design team will continue to refine the park plans with detailed landscape and lighting plans, streetscape improvement, architecture, and mock-up plans. Bicycle facilities plans will show the detailed connections between the parks bicycle lanes with existing and planned bicycle facilities on Folsom and Howard streets, and the TJPA bicycle ramp structure. TJP and Caltrans will continue to review the design development and construction drawings for compliance with their respective design standards. The design team will continue to refine the design lighting and materiality of buildings, and in particular, the interface of zigzag modern structure with the concession building. Additionally, the planting palette will be enhanced by considering the biodiversity guidelines from the San Francisco Department of Environment and the SF plan finder website. A comprehensive signage plan will be subsequently developed in consultation with the Eastcut CBD's wayfinding concept. An interim phasing plan will be developed in coordination with TJPA and OCI staff to incorporate TJPA's future needs for the downtown rail extension project. For small business enterprise opportunities, Eastcut CBD will perform robust outreach to the city's small business community and make Good faith efforts to lease the parks commercial and retail spaces to such businesses prior to construction start the selected contractor will meet with oci and tjpa staff to discuss noise regulations and hours of operation and have a single point of contact the next approvals involve presentation of the park schematic design at the tjpa cac tonight and the culmination of the approvals with the presentation to the TJPA board on June 8, 2023. Following the approvals, the design team will transition into the design development and subsequent construction design phases. And with this, OCI staff recommends that the commission conditionally approve the schematic design for the underramp Park. The design team, OCI, and the Eastcut CBD are available for any questions and comments. Thank you.
7: Madam Secretary can you call for public comment
1: at this time if there are any members of the public who wish to provide public comment on this item please call 415-655-0001 enter access code two five nine one one six zero eight nine three nine, followed by the pound sign then the pound sign again to enter the call please press star then three to be placed in the queue. If you're already listening to us by phone and would do, would like to provide public comment, please press star three. If um, And if you are here in person and would, and would like to provide public comment, we'd like to invite you to come up to the podium at this time. And at this time, for members of the public who joined us remotely, please press star three on your mobile devices to be placed in the queue. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment.
7: Seeing no further um, need for public comment, uh, we will be closing public comment, and I'll be looking over to my fellow commissioners to see if they have any questions or comments, starting with Commissioner Aquino. Thank you.
10: Um, Well, I think this presentation is um, exciting um, to what will be in that area that has been Left alone for some time, so I think this is exciting. I think my only my one of my questions I have is the lighting. So you mentioned that there will be um, changing of lights. Is that going to be twenty four hours? Just because this is under the bridge, the freeway, or you know. Is is it going to be really, you mentioned it's not going to be too bright, but enough for us to visually see across the street for safety reasons. Um, Say if I'm walking down there, I want to feel safe uh, walking, going to an event or a meeting or a restaurant down there or hang out at the park if it's hot weather in San Francisco.
12: Yeah, absolutely, uh, Commissioner. Um, I wanna clarify that the the lights will be uplit on the bottom of the the overpass structures. Those will be on all the time. The changing part that I was referring to is this idea that we are of, of incorporating a kind of pattern of projection so that it's not just light, but it has some kind of texture and that that might change periodically, but that the space will always be Well, illuminated with that uplight to create a kind of more of an ambient light, just like these lights here are uplighting the ceiling, um, you know, kind of creating that feeling. And then the pathways and other elements will also have lighting that's specifically lighting those routes of travel um, so that they're, you know, very well lit. we, what we don't want in a, a lighting scenario like this is to have it overlit like a parking lot because in many cases you get bright spots there and it actually becomes less safe because of the the, the overall brightness of the light. So hopefully that clarifies some.
10: It, your it does, but, yes, thank you for that. And I, yep. my other question uh, was in regards to this, this office spaces that you have there. Um, you mentioned... Um, So I guess what I really want to ask is, will there be a space for the community, those that live in the area, have a space for, uh, say, neighborhood meetings or um, have access to the facility uh, since it's in their community?
12: Yeah, absolutely. So there is a, a fairly generous community room that will be open to the community to host meetings, events, and things like that, that can be coordinated through uh, the East CBD, whose offices will be there as well, as I mentioned, so. Uh, Yeah,
10: I saw saw that, yes. Overall, I just think this is exciting. Again, um, this is a a blight area for some time, um, so it's exciting to see uh, progress, and thank you for the presentation.
12: Thank you.
0: I'd like to. I'd first like to applaud uh, the efforts of all parties because this is a very good-looking park uh, that I hadn't seen at this level of detail before, uh, and I think it's going to be transformative um, and really change the neighborhood amenities uh, from from mostly based on. Uh, for citywide commuter use to uh, you know this park is for neighborhood residents, it seems to me, uh, with all the active uses. Um, I did have some questions about the the timeline to completion um, and it, it seems very clear in the slide that laid out the schedule. Um, but in the conditions of approval highlights, it seemed that there were, um, still some issues to be worked out. So I'm not sure uh, whether OCII is the best to address this, but what are the, what are the pending items that might impact this schedule? Um, and, and if you would be so bold, I would not mind a, you know, outside ballpark uh, completion date.
14: Thank you, Commissioner Ludlam. This is Ben Brandon, Transbay Project Manager. Uh, With respect to the schedule, I I think you have a development background, so you're looking at that with trying to find some understanding as to why are there these long lead times for a design development phase as well as a construction documents phase. And what's unique about this park is it's multi-jurisdictional in that actually none of the land that comprises the park site is owned by OCII or the city. Um, It's almost entirely owned by the TJPA with a portion of it being owned by Caltrans. And so that uniqueness about it means that we have to go through multi layers of approval with Caltrans as well as um, with the TJPA. So the conditions do require us in the design development phase to meet with both of those uh, bodies to seek their approvals. Um, as you can imagine, uh, one of the things that Chris touched on uh, in the design of the park is that there's this substantial grade change from Folsom up to Howard. And those uh, ramp structures are being supported by the existing um what they call the, the technical term from them is bents. Let's just call them columns for what they are. And so there are requirements as to how much you can uh, actually excavate around those to ensure that those ramps are safe and so forth and will continue to operate in their intended capacity uh, for the long term. So the schedule, as we've presented it to you, actually is built in um, these approvals, these additional approvals to go to the TJPA and to Caltrans um, for additional en- engineering analyses. Uh, as well as design sign-off with both of those bodies. Um, we do have a representative from the TJPA here. Uh, his name is Ari Walsh, he's their facilities director. I bring him up only to, uh, to point out that we have a good standing relationship with our partners on this park. Um, and everyone is committed to seeing it move forward uh, in concert. So we do feel confident about the two-year timeframe for the design phase. Um, it, it should allow us for enough time to get through all of those approvals. I also wanna point out that it's not just design during that time frame; it's also the permitting of the park. And because the, the most of the land is owned by the TJPA, it's actually still uncertain as of right now wh- whether or not the TJPA, which is a self-permitting entity, will permit the park on their own, or if we will partner with uh, the Department of Building Inspections through the city to handle the permitting. Um, That's been an open question for a little bit of time now, which Director Kozlowski and I will be working with the TJPA on starting as early as next month. Um, So again, back to the timeline, we feel like we've built in enough kind of fat into it uh, to be able to hit all of those markers and uh, meet with the parties that we need to and get started in 2025 and open by 2027. Um, that said, I think the design team, uh, as well as OCII staff, um, the Cut CBD and the TJPA are all committed to accelerating that timeline to the extent that we can, wherever possible that we can pick up some time, uh, we absolutely will, so. Wonderful, uh,
0: I have a question for Ari Walsh. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
15: Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Ari Walsh, uh, the TJPA facility director, happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you for being here. Absolutely. How do you feel about this timeline?
15: I think, (laughs) uh, all joking aside, I actually do feel very confident in it. I think it is accurate and uh, Ben summed it up pretty darn well. Uh, We are very supportive of this park. We want it to happen. Uh, I love some pickleball. So personally, I really can't wait Um, and this is a, a need for the community, especially for like the dog park and the sports courts. So we're behind it. Um, I think some of these conditions that we're seeing are a natural part of the process. You know, it's a, it's a large area, a lot of players involved. We just wanna make sure everything is smooth um, and that we can meet those timelines. So we brought up these conditions to make sure that they're taken care of before we get anywhere near a shovel in the ground. But that said, I feel very confident that we can get through this.
0: Wonderful. So is it fair to say that this is a conservative timeline?
15: Um, it's a doable timeline. I'd say conservative, if that's the word we want to use, um, but it, it is very doable, I'd
0: say. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Dr. Scott? Dr. Scott? Yes. Yeah, thank you so
2: much uh, for the presentation. Uh, Mr. Yappi Benjamin, and I, didn't, I couldn't hear your name. Sorry, Alok, we yes. asked. Alok. Alok. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Alok. Benjamin, uh, you took me on tour 2018, and absolutely nothing there, and Benjamin explained it and gave me such a vision, but I just could not have imagined this matrix. It's like way beyond, to me, the 21st century. It's beautiful. I wish the thoughtful intentional planning would be in all of our communities this is amazing it's amazing and i'd like to tour it, what's there now you know i'd like to see where it is and the finished product but very 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 impressed with this thank you
7: i just like to say that um, I was down at the structure of the Salesforce building and the Transbay Terminal and stuff like that when it first opened and when they had the grand opening and the grand closing and all of the disappointment from the community <laughs> surrounding that and pushing back this project um, due to safety issues as well as looking at long-term planning in terms of having um, this also double as a site for California statewide transportation and possibly even getting the light rail train down here in this area. So um, I am very happy looking at the schematics of this underground um, area just because we know that we have the over park ramp um, and parks area above. And so some of the questions that I kind of have around this structure and the lower level, is I noticed that um, as OCII, we've been really intentional about designing our communities to fit um, everyone in the community, especially families. And while I appreciate seeing pickleball and basketball court, I really don't see any kind of play structure for the littles. So if someone could kind of speak to that and... um, kind of give some feedback about that cuz that's also something that's missing from the above part too. So looking at both spaces and being this kind of a complete project, I'd like to know are there plans for, you know, making something for the little's.
14: Great question. Thank you Chair bracket. Um you Have very good eyes because most people who look at this park, that's the one thing that they notice. They say, "Wow, it has so many programming elements, but where is this? Where is this element for children's play?" Mm -hmm. And as I referenced a few moments ago, there's multi jurisdictions that own the actual underlying land. In the earliest um, envision or the earliest visions for the park, uh, I should mention that this was in your packet. That in 2013, the commission did approve a concept design for Under Ramp Park. Um, that did include children's play and programming. During that time and subsequent conversations with Caltrans, Caltrans didn't feel comfortable with having the, truly the, the insurance risk of anything bad happening to any children playing on play structures underneath their ramp. And what they asked for was that that element of the park be removed from its program. And so as, as consequently what we did is the design team did respond to that and have found ways to reprogram that space and fill it in in the beautiful sense that you've seen. But we also moved the play structure over to the block three site where that new park is gonna go in um, at the center point of the former Transbay Temporary Terminal. So the reason that we have the play structure there is specifically because it wasn't going to be allowed in the under ramp park site. So I think what you're seeing is staff being responsive to both what the community needs um, as well as uh, what our jurisdictional partners will allow. And the design team, both at this, for this park as well as the Block 3 park, um, really being responsive to all of those needs to fulfill the needs of the community. So I hope that answers your question
7: yes thank you um also i noticed in the schematic designs there was a lot of allusionment to the easement for um, 555 howard developer Mm -hmm. and just wanting to know i know that that's also partnered but it wasn't quite mentioned so how what kind of impact may they have on this project moving forward
14: it it doesn't seem so to to be very clear and specific let me address the easement itself so the tjpa owns that portion of the land um, at the basically the intersection of the park and Howard Street, um, as you alluded to, there's going to be a development there um, currently known as Five 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 Howard. It's supposed to be a hotel project. It's been stalled for numerous years. Um, A couple of years ago, the TJPA entered into that easement agreement with the developer. Um, I think at the time they were known as Pacific Eagle. And it was for the use of um, a small portion of the park uh, to be able to be functioned as a cafe space. Basically, so their doors, their front doors would open up onto the park, allowing for cafe seating um, to spill out into the park. The unique thing about it is that our lovely design team here, uh, helmed by CMG, They are also the design team for um, 555 Howard and that project, so they were working in concert both with us and the developer to ensure that there would be a seamless design between that easement area and the rest of the park. Um, That relationship continues, even though that, that project is stalled. Um, We do feel like if the project continues to be stalled and our project is in construction, we can simply build out a temporary um, element for that easement area that they could then come in and outfit um, when they're ready to build their project.
7: Thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I had a couple questions about the pavilion, um, similar to the other commissioners. What exactly is the size or the square footage of the community space, and is there a kitchen adjoined to it or in the space?
14: I'm gonna let Yaku answer that question.
13: to look it up but feet. yeah it's just about a thousand square feet I think we're remembering about 900 square feet or so sorry we didn't include it in the presentation
7: Um, I was more asking about the square footage just because when I was looking from the visuals and the um, schematic design, it seemed like it was kind of small in comparison to the other office space and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And typically, especially in these types of communities, people tend to want to have birthday parties and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so just wanting to know um, in terms of what are the typical asks for community to use community space, that there's actually enough space for people to do those types of activities, and not just more of a conference room size spot.
13: Yeah, so I think we imagine this as hosting 30 or so people pretty comfortably. We are providing a kitchenette in there, um, so there would be an opportunity for some food service. And again, we're really sort of envisioning this as being sort of an indoor-outdoor space. So we could do you know 30 people indoors, completely isolated, or you could open up and spill out and allow you know, larger opportunities uh, for parties to uh, take over a larger area.
7: And then um, my last question is around the concession. Um, I know um, there was mention of having maybe one or more concessions um, and that you guys would do whatever possible to ensure that um, small businesses were um, told about the opportunity. However, um, typically with a lot of times with city projects and development projects and new development projects, while it's promoted to the community, there are often barriers um, that most typical small businesses cannot overcome to even be considered for these types of projects. So just would like to hear a little bit about what is the selection process gonna be like, how inclusive, and what type of equitable opportunity is actually gonna be built into um, selecting vendors for this space.
14: Thank you, Chair, uh, for the question. We're gonna ha- we have Andrew Robinson here, uh, who is the executive director of the Eastcut CBD, uh, which will be the future operator of the park, and he's going to speak uh, to to answer your question. Chair, Brackett,
16: commissioners, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, executive Director Kozlowski, thanks so much for having this uh, hearing today on this item. It would be an understatement to say that I am thrilled to be here talking about this right now. Um, <clears throat> With respect to your question uh, in particular, the Eastcut CBD, it's what we consider the bread and butter of making a community. And so we are invested in working with Mercy Housing, other brokers, whomever we can, to try and do the best outreach we can. Just for our work on the temporary terminal, the crossing, uh, we did outreach, and in about about a period of two weeks, we got over 1,200 survey responses, as well as feedback on that. At that site alone, we have approximately six vendors right now. five of whom are all very small businesses, non-white, um, and we'll continue to work on that process as well. I don't, I couldn't say definitively what the process is, although I would say that we've already begun to talk with Mercy, who's developing Block 2 and doing retail there, about how we could work together to lease up these spaces. Yeah. I hope that answers your question.
7: Yes, and then I just have one quick follow-up question yeah. about the concession. Um, dealing with our current economic climate in this city um, in particular, um, is East Cut CBD looking to um, give any possible benefits or concessions to the vendor coming in to ensure that they are successful and that they last a long time, as we've seen in other park concession spaces like Union Square um, that have been vacant for a long time? Just would like to hear a little bit about your thoughts about that.
16: The short answer is yes, but I will cut put a caveat on that, which is we are actually currently raising funds for the operating deficit that we know exists right now for the park. That said, myself, staff, board are committed to seeing this uh, retail kiosk space or spaces be available. And at a, and it's currently actually what we're doing at the crossing. Uh, we have first time business owners there who are basically just paying us a very small percentage rent. We are losing money at the crossing, no surprise, but we see the community benefit of it and are invested in raising the funds that are necessary to make this a success.
7: Thank you. And I just wanted to say you guys have been doing a great job at the East cut. Um, crossing events I know that there was a lot of watch parties there that were very well attended and I know the small businesses definitely benefited from uh, all of that new activity and people coming out the house post-COVID and wanting to be involved so I mean wanted to thank you guys for that as well as the um, idea to add Pickleball, because I know that's also been a huge thing and the com- new thing in the community
16: yeah. during COVID. <laughs> I have said it exceeded expectations. Under Ramp Park will incorporate many of the things that have been hyper-successful at the crossing. We also see in an effort where San Francisco is looking to change the dynamic and the storyline about its recovery, this park is instrumental, yes, to the neighborhood, but also to downtown being a vibrant, livable place. So.
7: Thank you. If there's, is there any other comments from my fellow commissioners? Um, does anyone have a motion?
2: Uh, Madam Chair, I would like to move that we accept this uh, 5D conditionally approving the schematic design for under Ramp Park adopting environmental findings pursuant. In- to California Environmental Quality Act.
0: I would be glad to second that motion.
7: Madam Secretary,
1: please call the vote. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5D when I call your name. Commissioner Aquino. Yes. Commissioner Drew is absent. Commissioner Scott. Yes. Vice Chair Ludlam. Yes. And Chair Brackett. Aye. Madam Chair, the vote is four
7: ayes, one absent. The motion passes. Commission, um, Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item?
1: The next order of business is item 6, public comment on non-agenda items.
7: Madam Chair? Could you please call um, public comment, please?
1: At this time, if there are any members of the public who wishes to provide public comment on non-agenda items, please call 415 415- six five five zero 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 one enter access code two five nine one one six zero eight nine three nine followed by the pound sign then the pound sign again to enter the call please press star then three to be placed in the queue if you're already listening to us by phone and would like to provide public comment please press star three and we'd like to begin by inviting anyone who joined us in person to provide their comment mr. James
9: yes Oscar James again It's always a pleasure to come before you, Commissioners. Uh, You're a blessing to our communities, and keep up the good work. Our new Commissioner, uh, i seen you with the uh, Human Rights Commission, am I correct? I was there that night uh, when they gave gave you a presentation. But uh, I know you've done good work there, and I know you're going to do good work here.
3: Thank you. Uh,
9: But thank you for your dedication. You know, it was brought to my attention, I served as a commissioner, On model cities Mm -hmm. and we were getting a stipend which i gave my stipend to uh growth and development which was a non-profit organization but uh you know a lot of people in the community think you guys are making money and what have you and 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 all this and all that but i want to make let them know that you guys are doing this out the kindness of your heart Mm -hmm. you know you don't even get a parking voucher which is (laughs) which is which is really sickening Uh, i have a wheelchair Stickers, so I ride it around. That's why I was late today, trying to find a decent parking space, which is still hard. But your dedication, I really want to commend that. Uh, your participation. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up: I have a niece who's down in Madeira. She moved off of Hunters Point, and they're in Madeira now. And the people who are doing research to find the uh, certificate holders and what have you, they found them. Okay, and there's four of them down there now. And whoever is doing this work, they are doing a marvelous job. I just wanna make sure the community know that and you guys know this. The other thing I wanted to come up, and I might take longer than three minutes, you guys have to forgive me. But I don't know, you know, your dedication on what you're doing. Uh, I wanna put out Dr. Scott is being honored, by the president. I don't know if you guys know this, but she's been honored by the president of the United States and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris for the uh, Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award. You know, uh, uh, I've served... Coming to different committees and commissions and what have you, it's very rare that they commend people in our community who does work like you guys are doing for outstanding service and I really want to commend Dr. Scott because she has really did some things that, you know, are I don't know what to say. But uh, she has these deals here to tell the history of African Americans and they're in all of the libraries. But I think this is something that should be put in all the public schools because I only one I knew about is Christopher Attucks You know, uh, Thurgood Marshall, uh, uh, what's his name, Frederick Douglass, people like that. But to know inventors. And one out of our community who did a thing on the heart, uh, Miss Rosalie... uh, uh, Ruth Williams. Miss Ruth Williams' grandson, the one who the opera house is named after. Her son. This is her fifth son who did this. Unfortunately, he had passed, but he had... Quite a few inventions that he did, but it's people that's in the city that we don't even know, who are doing tremendous work to better this community. Just like you guys are sitting up here, helping the community. People don't even know what you're doing. They see you on the street, they don't know who you are. You know, persons like uh, Thor sitting up there, uh, whose uh, grandfather, well, great uncle, was one of the founders of San Francisco, uh, Alexander Leostorf. and. Jim Morales sitting up there who's been instrumental to make sure That the Mexican American community is being represented on what they do You know, we have pride in our communities different communities and it should be known throughout this uh, whole country and even your staff Lucinda and the people that's in your staff who are doing tremendous work who gets no recognition, but I know Lucinda has been doing good work because I was here when she came to work mm-hmm. at the redevelopment agency. Mm-hmm. And just the things that you guys do to make sure people in our community come and get housing, Miss Brackett, Commissioner Brackett, making sure the certificate holders, grandkids are getting recognized uh, uh, and, and getting these certificates for the grandkids. You guys are doing tremendous work. And it—you know I have real problems when somebody comes up and say what well, you guys aren't doing and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and what have you. I started with redevelopment in 1968. Mm. And the commissioners who were sitting up there then and the attorneys who were sitting up there then didn't have our communities at heart, mm. okay? And we turned over desks, chairs, and what have you to get what we have today. So mm. keep doing your work. You don't have to worry about me. Turn over a desk. I'm too old to turn over a desk now. <laughs> but turn over a desk or worrying about is the community being really represented because you guys are doing a good job. And God bless you. And thank you very much. Thank
2: you. And thank Thank you. Thank you. 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 I'd like to give you the full series. I see you have four. We have six now that are out. So if you'll hold on, I'll give you the other two. And I also have a full series for Vanessa. Yeah.
1: Thank you. And I'd like to invite any members of the public who are joining us remotely. If you'd like to provide public comment on non-agenda items, please press star three at this time. Madam Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment further.
7: At this moment, we're going to close um, public comment. Madam Secretary, can you please call the next item?
1: The next order of business is item 7, report of the chair. Madam
7: Chair. I just have two quick um, announcements that I'd like to make of events that I attended last month. Um, Last month, I attended... um, Reverend Arnold Townsend's 80th anniversary birthday party. Um, he is a, um, he was a long-term resident and is a long-term resident of the Fillmore community as well as a community activist and also participated in a lot of redevelopment agency meetings and actions that happened prior to us becoming OCII and currently. Um, I'd also like to also acknowledge that I also attended the mayor's um, Asian American History um, Month celebration at City Hall, in which I was also able to speak with members of the Japantown Chamber of Commerce, and they'd like to also um, be more engaged with OCII. And then the third thing I just wanted to also mention is that um, I... Um, participated in a hike with Rafiki Wellness Center and the California State Parks um, over here at Candlestick (laughs) Point Area Recreation um, Park. And um, we hosted over 50 individuals from across San Francisco, mainly from the Bayview District, um, and were able to do um, the art walk. So the park is currently trying to increase... Um, participation of local residents to use open space and we were able to show um, residents that there is on-site fishing, um, that is free of charge, um, there's other water activities and um, a lot of the community at that time also said that they wanted to provide some input because some of the recreation areas in that space were um, very dilapidated, specifically the um, I guess you would call it the public wait area where you do kind of like physical activities and like pull ups and stuff like that. Those were kind of very tarnished. So just wanted to share with the fellow um, commissioners and this commission um, some of the progress and good things that are happening and discussions that are happening in the community. Thank you. Will I call the next item? Yes, please call the next item.
1: The next order of business is item eight, Item 8, excuse me, report of the executive director, Director Koslowski.
3: Thank you, Secretary Cruz, members of the commission, members of the public. Um, uh, Thank you for that report, Madam Chair. It's good to hear your work in the community and um, uh, recognizing people in the community and the work that they've done. Uh, letting folks like Mr. Oscar James speak at length here. And um, he helped me solve a little mystery. I always wondered why the chairs here were bolted down. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it was some of that early advocacy that made City Hall said, let's keep these chairs bolted to the floor. Um, But we're of course not giving them any reason to have to do that. We work collaboratively with the community. Um, I just wanted to give the commission and the public uh, a couple of updates. One of them is on this uh, initiative, replacement housing, SB 593 which is to enable the redevelopment agency, excuse me, OCAI, to rebuild um, about 5,800 units that were destroyed during the urban renewal days. Um, As you know, Senator Weiner, with the mayor's uh, nomination of it, um, uh, introduced this to the Senate in, in February of this year. And so that's been working its way through the different committees. We went through the Assembly and Finance Committee, it passed there, and then we went through the Housing Committee and it passed there. And then most recently, the full Senate uh, in the state uh, approved it, 35 to two. So there seems to be a lot of support for that in the Senate. And we have a a couple of upcoming Assembly hearings. The next step is to go through the Assembly. Our first stop would be at the local government um, uh, committee and then at their Assembly Housing Committee. So we'll keep you guys updated on that Uh, i wanted to thank publicly dr veronica honeycutt of the hunter's point shipyard cac who has come to be a witness and testify at those hearings along with uh, maddie scott who is um one of the residents in freedom west homes is a co-sponsor for it and i want to thank the really hard work behind the scenes of all the staff namely uh, jim morales rosa torres john daigle and mina Yu uh, at ocii who really Uh, drive all the thinking in terms of the policy and the financing studies that we have to do to make the argument for why this is an important thing. I also want to take an opportunity to take a one-year lap. Um, It's been one year since I was selected as your executive director. Uh, I started May 2nd, um, and so May 2nd, which I was in Sacramento uh, advocating for this bill, 593. um, The Commission had its had its hearing. I wasn't here. And uh, Mr. Jim Morales uh, acted as the director for that. But I just want to recount some of the things and milestones that the commission has achieved uh, through that time. Uh, I want to talk about just the Mission Bay Park P-22 or the Bayfront Park, which is between the Warriors Arena and the Bay. Uh, you had a design workshop as well on a 500-student school in Mission Bay. And that recently broke ground. Um, there was a housing project <laughs> in Mission Bay called Block 9A which is 148 units of affordable home ownership. Uh, That is set to be complete next year, and those affordable housing opportunities will be available to the community. We began um, ADA and bathroom and code upgrade improvements to the building 101 in the Hunters Point Shipyard. Um, This is in an artist studio uh, uh, building. There are a few hundred artists who work there, and it's home to the twice a year Uh, Open Studios, which is a regional attraction drawing thousands of visitors to the Hunters Point shipyard. Um, We were awarded tax credits for three projects in the Hunters Point shipyard. First phase, 180 units, blocks 52, 54, and 56. Um, Those 180 affordable units will break ground in the next coming weeks, and we'll communicate with you about um, a ceremony we're trying to plan for that. Um, We also completed... um, Block Nine, which is also Mission Bay, 141 units of affordable rental units for formerly homeless adults. So all the folks coming directly out of some of the uh, the hotels there in the Tenderloin and in the C- Civic Center were being um, leased up directly into this uh, to this site. That is fully leased up now. Park P3, which is between Third and Fourth Street in Mission Bay, right on right on the channel, was opened and completed. Um, and then of course there were significant things which we do on an annual basis which are budgeting uh, very significant and the commission approved the fiscal 23 24 budget of about 720 million dollars which included 75 million dollars for bonds for trans bay for park some of which you had seen not that particular park but trans bay park three um, and some affordable housing that's in mission bay block two uh, you also approved a 45 million dollar community facilities district budget which are going to fund uh, the operations of the park uh, the memorandum of agreement that you all just approved. Um, and you heard a report on our small business enterprise program, where through our projects, we try and bring contracts for small business enterprises. And there were about $140 million worth of professional services contracted in the prior year. And 60% of those contracts went to small businesses. 35% of those businesses were women and minority owned uh, businesses. So I just want to close on, on a note about the pandemic. Um, In April of this year, you had your first uh, in-person meeting since COVID had started, and your first remote meeting occurred in April 2020. And just for some perspective, uh, at that meeting in April 2020, you approved the project for Mission Bay Block 9A, which I told you will be completed uh, next year. You also approved Block 9, which was completed this year and fully leased up this year. Um, You also approved 100-point shipyard block 56, which will break ground um, in a few weeks. So just for some perspective on timelines, that's three years. We kept our heads down. We were one of the first commissions to meet, begin meeting remotely because of the critical nature and the services that we were delivering through the housing, the parks, and infrastructure. So I just wanted to uh, give some perspective for the past year. Thank you.
7: Thank you, fellow commissioners. Do you have any questions or comments for the executive director's report?
2: My comment is to thank you, um, Director Klaus Thor. <laughs> I'm, I'm just very emotional right now uh, behind Mr. James and verbally saying um, that was a surprise to me, um, being selected to receive that award from across the nation and I am humbly honored. And I can only say, iron sharpens iron. And I'm so grateful for my relationship from Lucinda with her humility, Jamie, her humility, the deep services they give without thought. James Morales, attorney, thank you so much <laughs> for the advice, the help you give me. Uh, Thor, thank you. And and I'm just... Uh, so grateful. Vanessa just meeting you and having that wonderful conversation. Just this quick, I give you my gratitude. Bavette is like a daughter. I'm so proud of you and your new position and how you're handling things. Alex, thank you for stepping up and being who you are and your knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And Oscar James is my historian. I tell you, he remembers things. He and uh, Dr. Amos Brown, and it just rolls off. But I continue to learn from the world uh, that I'm put around by God, and I'm so grateful. And so to that, I thank you, OCII, and I am here to serve and do my best and make you proud of the things we're asking for, things we may demand, things we may um, learn more about as well that we don't know enough of. But I'm so proud and I wish Sonia would have been able to stay a little bit to hear that recognition for the COP reaching down to, was that Modesto? And finding those families. My dear. And that makes me feel so good about the pushes we were giving to do more, and they're doing more, and I'm so grateful. Thank
7: you. If no other commissioners have any more comments, Madam Secretary, can you call the next item?
1: The next order of business is item nine, commissioners' questions and matters. Madam Chair?
7: Commissioners, do you have any questions or matters?
10: Well, I'd like to say something. I'd just like to take this opportunity uh, to thank you all, commissioners, Thor, everyone. I'm so um, excited to be on this commission. As many of you know already, um, I'm a native San Franciscan and a resident of Dogpatch of over 20 years, but I lived in many different neighborhoods in San Francisco. So I, I am excited to know the city very well. I have. Um, I have also seen the importance and impact that redevelopment uh, can have on a community. Um, As you living in Dogpatch for close to 20 years, I've seen that whole community of Mission Bay, uh, Dogpatch, and even Bayview change, and I knew that things would change. So I'm just excited to be part of this commission because we all want to see growth in this city and, um, and change for the better, for the community, for everyone. So I'm really honored to be sitting in this chair. Um, I'm overwhelmed with joy. Um, one other thing I do wanna add, um, the I do ride my bike through Herons Park and I want to point out I do ride through the Bayview and I love riding down there because of it's sunnier. In my opinion, and um, I've seen a lot of the changes on the road, and this is why I'm bringing this up. Uh, going to Herons Park, uh, there's kids cleaning, uh, working on projects out there, um, doing biology, science, and to me, and the, it just looks clean. Um, and also, the park and through uh, the Naval Shipyard looks a lot cleaned up. No more in ca- uh, vehicles. Um, Campers out there, so it looks like the community has come together to improve that area that was much needed. Some cleanup, but I'm just proud to see the changes in the Bayview, and and I will continue to ride my bike through the neighborhood. Uh, with that being said, I congratulate uh, Dr. Commission, Dr. Scott, for your accomplishment and your recognition well-deserved. I'm looking forward to continue to work not only with you, but everyone else here in our commission. Thank you.
7: Commissioners, do you have any other um, following comments?
2: Other than I would like for Thor to set up a time when we could all, if possible, tour our sites TOGETHER AND JUST KIND OF GIVE A LOOK AND um, INSTEAD OF WAITING FOR THEM TO COME TO US, BUT GO OUT AND SEE AND HAVE A LITTLE MORE INSIGHT ON WHAT THEY'RE TALKING ABOUT AS THESE
3: PROJECTS CONTINUE ON. I THINK THAT'S AN EXCELLENT IDEA, uh, COMMISSIONER SCOTT, AND WE CAN BEGIN SCHEDULING THOSE THINGS IMMEDIATELY uh, IF THE COMMISSION IS INTERESTED IN THAT. Um, I, I don't recommend that you do it as an entire commission. Um, we'd have to notice that as a meeting, and there's uh, EDA laws and access rules and around that and public comment and things that could encumber that, but um, we can definitely uh, arrange for uh, you guys to visit the, the different uh, project areas, especially with some of the major projects. For example, the Underground Park that you've just seen, maybe touring some of those areas. That just as an example. But I, like, I like the idea. We'll work on it. One last
7: thing. AND um, I
10: I FORGOT TO ADD ONE MORE THING um, THAT I'M REALLY PROUD TO SAY DOG PATCH NEIGHBORHOOD ASSOCIATION HAS uh, OR THE COMMUNITY HAS FOR THE FIRST TIME OPENED UP A PLACE CALLED THE DOG PATCH HUB WHICH IS A COMMUNITY. living room for our neighborhood. It opened with remarkably with over 100 people excited about what will go on in this building and in terms of from kids events to meetings, community meetings, uh, games, movies, uh, you name it. We have a place now that we can call our community center in Dogpatch. and this is right on Minnesota across the street from the um, next door to Phil's Coffee and across the street from the Minnesota Street Project. So I really am so excited to see the community come together and wait till more events to happen there. So just wanted to share that information. Thank you.
7: And um, I have one matter. um seeing that we just did our annual reports on CLP, and we're still not getting kind of the traction that we were hoping to get um, in terms of um, applicants, acceptance rates, et cetera. Um, I know we talked about this a lot before the pandemic, during the pandemic, but I would really like to see OCII put on a community-facing workshop with MOHCD about our upcoming developments, as well as the ones that are, because we have a couple in the pipeline now, and we really need to get information out to the community as soon as possible. I know that there was a specific um, application for a BMR development that was going through MOHCD right now, and the deadline was on the 6th, but I didn't even hear about it until Friday, and so if I'm hearing about it at such a last-minute moment um, and seeing that We only have limited amount of housing that's coming out when it does. We really need to do as much as we can as OCII um, as an organization to also help and lift, um, do some of the lifting with MOHCD if that is not as successful as we want it to be. Um, If there's no other further questions or matters, Madam Secretary, can you call the next item?
1: The next order of business is item 10, closed session. There are no closed session items. The next order of business is item 11, adjournment. Madam Chair.
7: Fellow commissioners, um, does anyone have a motion?
2: I motion. I I second that motion.
7: And... um, With the motion by Commissioner Aquino and the second by um, Dr. Scott, Um, we are adjourning the commission meeting today at 3.17 p.m.